This is the You Could Be a Therapist podcast. I'm Sophie Kent. Welcome to season two of You Could Be a Therapist. Hi, I'm Sophie, and I'm so glad you tuned in to today's episode. I am a pre-licensed therapist working in private practice in the state of Florida. I specialize in working with individuals struggling with anxiety and OCD, and I started this podcast as a way to serve the next wave of counselors, the potential therapist. My two greatest hopes for this show are to demystify the process of becoming a therapist and to provide practical tools and resources for those interested in becoming a therapist themselves. I do this through Counselor Journey episodes where I'll interview a therapist about their personal journey entering the mental health profession, and solo episodes where I cover a topic relevant to starting the process of becoming a counselor, beginning grad school, and more. Today we have Nathan Peterson joining us to share his counselor journey. This means that we'll get to hear Nathan share his experiences of how he entered the counseling profession and where he is now. Nathan is a licensed clinical social worker in Texas, where he operates a private practice focusing specifically on OCD and various anxiety disorders. Nathan also has a YouTube channel and Instagram account where he shares helpful information about these disorders and offers self-directed courses as well. If you'd like to check out any of those resources, they would be linked in the show notes. Nathan, I'm blown away by all the valuable resources you offer. It's really incredible. Um, I'm so excited and thankful to have you join me today to share your personal story of how you became a counselor. So thank you for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you reaching out and, and allowing me to kind of talk about my my story and and you know provide these resources for other people. What really intrigued me when I, you know, tried to look through other interviews you'd done, I saw that you had mentioned that growing up, your mom actually was a therapist and did a private practice out working out of your home. And that really stuck out to me because I don't think I've heard anyone's story start that way. Um, could you maybe start there about what that was like for you being exposed to like counseling at such an early age? Yeah, my my mom you know, and I don't hear this very often now as, as a grown up, but my mom had a private practice and she just had a little office, you know, in our home and people would just literally sometimes walk in the door and go into our living room and wait for their appointment. And I am just a you know, elementary school kid coming home yeah. from school and just looking over and there's people sitting in my living room and and it's kind of a probably a strange concept now, like the day and age that we live in. And I mean, maybe it was strange back then. I don't know. But <laughs> as a kid, I was thinking, oh, it's just, you know, another another person. And sometimes they'd wave at me and smile. And depending on, you know, the day, sometimes I would just sit in there and, and just talk to them because they would say hi to me. And and I realized that, it I don't know, it just kind of felt natural and normal um, to me. And my mom, as far as I remember, didn't really have any rules of like, hey, don't talk to these people and, mm. you know, anything. I mean, maybe she did. I just didn't listen as a kid. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. That was kind of my first experience with with therapy. Obviously, I wasn't a therapist, but just being exposed to that and thinking like, oh, I, this is kind of cool that people are coming and they're seeking for help and, you know, are willing to do something like this. 
And I, that had to have shaped some way in, in me becoming a therapist myself. Um, I always knew I wanted to help, help people. And so that was one of those things that always came back to my mind. I was like, hey, my, this is what my mom did. And I really, really enjoyed just watching her through that, that career. Yeah, and I feel like that's such a kind of special privilege that you got to have as a kid of being exposed to what counseling is and um, talking about your feelings and what's going on because so many individuals really don't experience that openness to counseling in their early life. And to hear you say that you went up and you talked to people sometimes if they waved at you, um, you could have easily been a child who was frightened or maybe shy and didn't go up to people so that seems to also reveal something about your heart for people too yeah oh and that I mean that brings up a good point was I was a very socially anxious child I mean mm. all the way to high school even further and that was one of those things that was like why am I not anxious about you know going to say hi to these people um, whereas everyone else I'm hiding behind a parent or you know scared essentially and so I felt like that can revealed something about like I don't know I have some gift in that area where it's just kind of like that anxiety just goes away and I'm able to I guess talk to people when I want to help them and you know one-on-one -on -one was was a lot better than group settings for sure yeah that's so interesting when you were that age and having some of the social anxiety what did you think about you would do when you were older i just as anxiety goes a lot of people make decisions based off of their anxiety mm -hmm. of like i'm not a person that's gonna you know i don't know talk to millions of people out in in public and you know just figuring out this career i knew i wanted to help people and I know anxiety played a part in that of like, I don't think I could ever be maybe a doctor. I don't know if I'm smart enough for that. I don't know if I, you know, just thinking through all these different careers. Oh, that one, you have to talk to a lot of people. Um, I don't know about that. Well, maybe a therapist. I don't know if I could do it, even be that because I got to talk to people every day. What if I don't know what I'm supposed to say? And, you know, all these different what ifs and what ifs. And I think ultimately, you know, for some odd reason that social anxiety goes away when I see people today. Um, I, I mean, I don't experience, experience it that often now, but I mean, when I was younger, even just talking to people and they're telling me my, their problems, it was like, I had none. And to me, that was kind of a testament of like, I think this is the thing I'm supposed to do. Um, just because I feel so comfortable with it. Your social anxiety it seems like it limited you in a lot of your perspective of what you were capable of, yet there was this just one area where it was so much reduced compared to other aspects of life, and that was always when you were helping people. Did you experience that in school too, in school settings as you were growing up? Yeah, I, I found that for some reason, you know, since I'm kind of the, the shy kid, the person that didn't talk very much, um, didn't really have very many friends, um, actually like one friend. <laughs> I realized when people did start to know who I was, for some reason, they would just start telling me things, mm -hmm. like personal things about their life. And 
you know, pretty heavy things. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know why you're telling me this. <laughs> and that was another kind of thing for me of like, I should feel super awkward that you're telling me all these things about your life. And, you know, I'm just a, I don't know, 14 year old kid, 15 year old kid, whatever it is. And for some reason that social anxiety went away in those specific moments. And it was more of like, let's kind of problem solve this. Like, let me help you through it. Like, this is my moment to hopefully give you some advice, even though I didn't know anything back then, it was just listening. And I realized like, that's a lot of therapy and counseling is just ha having someone feel heard. And I was like, I am good at that. Social anxiety is all about letting other people talk. <laughs> and so I realized like, just hearing somebody like I could sit back and listen to them, give them advice like all day long. That's, that's my thing. Able to offer that presence when people are sharing things that are really difficult for them. And as a 14 year old, it's just, it's cool to hear you talk about that because like you said, you're like, I didn't know anything. <laughs> and I don't know how much we really know when we're 14, but offering that presence is so valuable and then helping people problem solve and empowering people it definitely sounds like you were doing some of that preliminary counseling work then. Oh, definitely. And <clears throat> I think the thing that always came back to my mind was like, why, I mean, does, does everyone go around and just tell their deepest, darkest secrets and <laughs> their struggles just to random? I mean, like, why me? And, you know, I think everything kind of just keep, kept leading me down that path of like just being a counselor and therapist um, just to help people. Was there a point when you started working out that question of why me? Why do people feel comfortable with me that led you to solidify your desire to go into counseling? Yeah, I, I mean, that definitely was a huge, huge piece to it. Um, being somebody with, with a lot of anxiety, I mean, a lot of that comes with self-doubt and you know, not sure of all these things. And I think that's what anxiety is all about. It's just not being sure about something. And so it was really fighting through that and saying, you know, I am not sure if this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, I know I do enjoy it and I'm just going to go for it and, and hope for the best. And I think that's what a lot of treatment is for anxiety is like, I am not sure, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it's the only way for me to know the answer instead of come up with what I think is going to be the answer. I think if we wait to do something until we are 100% sure about it or 100% confident in ourselves that we'll just be waiting forever, I don't think most people feel 100% competent or able to do things before they actually do them. I think it's the act of doing it while maybe having some self-doubt or some imposter syndrome, whatever that is helps us actually feel more competent on the other side when we did it while we were scared. Oh, definitely. I, I think about all the people, you know, I went to high school with and those who were so sure I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a doctor. Or I'm going to be a dentist or whatever. I kind of look at their lives now and I'm like, you are not that thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're so <laughs> sure you're going to be, I mean, some probably are, but it's, it's just interesting how, you know, we are not sure about so many things of, of life and, and that's okay. It's okay to be in that zone. 
How did you cope with the doubt or self-doubt imposter syndrome things that came up for you while you started pursuing counseling? Like how did this play out when you went to college and things like that? Yeah, I I had to go with the flow often mm-hmm. because yeah, even that imposter syndrome was like, uh, should I do this? I don't know if this is the thing I'm really supposed to be doing. Um, I got my degree in uh, social work and social work is so many different options. You could be a therapist, you could go work in agencies, you could, but like you could do so many things. And I, for me, that was kind of like a, if I try therapy and I realize I don't like it, it's not my thing. I've got all these other options as well. I'm not stuck with being a therapist. So I kind of in a, in a roundabout way gave myself an opening to maybe it was a compulsion. I don't know to say, here's some options for me. And, and that was comforting to me to know that like, I'm not wasting my degree if I don't like the thing that I'm going to do. And I think for me, it literally was just like going in with confidence. Every internship I went to, every place that I went to was like, I know what I'm doing, even if I didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what I found is like, I have to go in with confidence because that's what imposter syndrome is all about is like you don't really know what you're doing and it's like sometimes that's true but I got to act like I know what I'm doing and and then it starts coming to you and I think that's the cool part that I started learning was obviously the more you do it the, the better it becomes and just feels more comfortable yeah and accepting that you, what you have to offer like your best is enough too um, yeah. trying to release some of that perfectionism too, or at least that's how that's how it was from in my journey of trying to release some of that pressure to be perfect at something when just starting out. I love that you said that social work, that degree for you, really provided with you with options just in case you found out that you didn't want to do the thing you maybe thought you wanted to do. What were some green flags you experienced as you move through your bachelor's degree and then I saw since you're a licensed clinical social worker your master's was in social work what were some green flags that affirmed to you I'm in the right place I'm pursuing the thing that aligns with my purpose yeah I kind of kept that mindset of of service like I've always wanted to serve other people and it makes me happy to do that and this is one of those things that you know, I think even today, my brain is like, yeah, you're, you're not smart enough to you know, ever become a doctor, like help in that way or you know, some other way. And it's interesting how like that kind of just sticks with you mm-hmm. um, that this was like, this becomes natural. This is something that you can do, even though like you've spent your whole you know, young life not speaking, like this is kind of your time to because you feel so comfortable in this, like, this is, this is you. Um, and kind of seeing that those past negative experiences of you know, social anxiety as almost like a benefit in a way hmm. for like, this is actually me. This is my personality. It's okay to be shy. It's okay to not be outgoing all the time. And that's why people were comfortable because I, I was that way. I wasn't someone that was talking over them. I wasn't, you know, overbearing, anything like that. And so I started seeing all these negative past experiences as, I guess, 
green flags in a way to kind of lead me to where, where I was today. And I remember going into grad school, but people were like, you were, you were smart for some reason. Like I had 25 people in my um, program and they just were like blown away by things that I was doing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> I'm in my brain. I'm like, I, I'm like totally an imposter. Like they have no idea who I am. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just making things up. And I remember thinking, having to challenge that, those thoughts. <clears throat> I know a lot about challenging now as a therapist, which is great. But back then it was like, I have no idea who I am, but I just have to own it. Like, oh, they think I'm smart. That's cool. I'm going to keep going with that. That's such a beautiful reframe that you talked about of characteristics about yourself that maybe you used to view as negative things growing in your self-acceptance so much and coming to a place of realizing maybe those things that make me who I am actually help me help other people, which really seems like what drives you in your work. Yeah, definitely. I, I think people can take different perspectives in their life of, you know, I was always the, the shy kid or, you know, whatever it is and kind of have that be there identity um but then i think sometimes that stunts people's growth for for seeing mm -hmm. kind of the negative and, and they're like well how can i turn that into a positive like what good came out of out of this and actually some of this is personality for for people especially with social anxiety like it's actually okay to feel shy it's okay to not be the outgoing one um it that's okay and i think a lot of that is, is self-acceptance self over time, that it is reframing that, um, which just makes things so much better. When you're not listening to new episodes of You Could Be a Therapist, stay connected with us at Potential Therapist on Instagram for bite-sized videos and other fun content. Come say hi. I'd love to know you're listening. If you're enjoying the episode, please leave a review. Let's return to what we're talking about today. The self-acceptance that, you know, you're talking about, how did that happen with these other thoughts that you had? Like in grad school, you said everyone was telling you like, Nathan, you're so smart. You're really good at this. And that you felt on the inside. Well, you know, I don't know if they're really right about that. Um, how did that journey look for you of accepting if so many people are saying this, like maybe there is truth to that. Maybe I am X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that, that was one of those moments where I definitely realized, like I, I think this is the thing I'm supposed to do. Not 100% certain, but this is it. And even today, I still have those thoughts of like, I don't even know what they were thinking back then, <laughs> which is so interesting we can challenge our own thinking and what i've kind of learned over time even when i teach people how to do this it doesn't mean we're going to absolutely 100 percent believe the reframing that we give mm -hmm. um, but we're going to do it anyway and and not live as if the first thought that came into our brain was always correct and so that's kind of the thought that i had back then was like here's my initial thought, but, you know, I'm just going to keep 
being the person that they think I am, whatever that is. I'm not going to change anything about myself. I'm just going to be me. And it, it definitely was, was interesting. I wasn't going around and like, no, you, I'm not smart. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, because I didn't want to you know, bring myself down, but mm-hmm. it definitely was one of those things that was a little bit interesting for me. I remember coming home and telling my spouse, like everyone thinks that I'm like this great person. I'm, I like, I don't get it. Um, and yeah, it was just an interesting experience just to hear people who actually know me and they're like, but you are like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? You are. Grad school is the only time <laughs> that I got super good grades, like really, really good nice grades. Everything else was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it to grad school with, with these grades. I don't know. Just because I struggled in you know, math and struggled with science and struggled with all these other things that you have to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, those are not my things. But like grad school, counseling, therapy, like that, I like, excelled with. It's like you were finally getting to operate in your strengths. Yeah, and it was all my strengths, and it was it was amazing. I think that you know, going back to your other question, like that was a huge green flag for me. Like this is it. Like I finally made made it to where I need to be. I read in one of the interviews that you did, you talked about how you did a lot of different jobs to find out what you enjoy after graduate school, and. Obviously, now you're an OCD specialist and you work with anxiety disorders, but I'm curious how even after grad school, you continued to explore what exactly do I want to do? Yep, I, I wanted to have <clears throat> kind of all the experiences to know. My, actually, my initial thought was I'm going to be a child you know, therapist. I want to do mm. sand play therapy and I want to just help children. I think because... I was such an anxious child, like legit super anxious Mm -hmm. that I was like, I want to give these kids skills that I never had. And that was kind of my first, first initial reaction is like, this is what I'm going to go do. And after grad school is like, I can't find very many opportunities for me to learn to do this. And so I just like jumped into just different agencies and, did whatever they told me they needed. Mm -hmm. So I worked with bipolar. I worked with schizophrenia. I worked with like all these different disorders to figure out like what I like, what I don't like. And none of them really like spoke to me Mm -hmm. because like traditional therapy is all about just talking and let's work through your problems. Let's go through your past experiences. And, and then people are coming back and they're like, Ah, no, I'm just not feeling better. I was like, I don't like this. Like, yeah. we're just we're just talking, and like, I can make you feel really great in the session, and people do feel really great. But then after they leave, it's like all the problems are still there. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like something was missing. I'm like, either I'm not a good therapist, or I'm doing something wrong, um, or the therapy I'm providing, like, I I just don't know. And I had an opportunity. My my brother is an OCD therapist as well. Mm. Um, and he ran a practice. Like it was just a generalist practice, but he always loved working with OCD. And he called me up and he's like, hey, do you, I'm thinking of starting this program for, for OCD. And I've already 
worked a little bit of OCD work with him in the past. He's like, I am starting this thing. I don't know if you want to come join me. And I'm like, I don't know. Because if I did that, like OCD is the only thing that I would do. And I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. Mm. And I just took the plunge anyway, because, you know, that's kind of how life goes. You just go with the flow. Yeah. And I realized pretty quick, like, this is awesome because OCD is people who struggle with it. It makes a lot of sense to, to me. And the treatment was more than just sitting there and just talking. It was like behavioral work. Like, let's go do this. Let's go do this. Let's go touch this. Let's go think about this. Mm -hmm. And people would come back and they're like, I feel better. And I'm like, whoa, this is like the first experience I've had so far as a therapist where people are feeling better. And I loved that, that it was very structured. I didn't have to think about, you know, what are we going to talk about today when they come in the office? It was like, no, we got a plan. We know, we know what we're going to do. And that's one of the aspects I love about working with OCD is this, it can be a very structured process and we can skip all the, let's go through your whole past and figure out why you have this thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because that can be good in some aspects, but with OCD, just isn't for the most part. It's so interesting to hear you talk about your first experiences and hear the discouragement in your tone as you're talking about having experiences with clients and they, they can feel really good when they're talking to you, but then they go spend the rest of their week and come back the next week and had like a horrible time or really, really struggled. And having those questions in yourself of like, am I not doing a good job? And then getting to a place of realizing, well, maybe this approach just isn't the best suited for me and my personality. It was, it was interesting going through different agencies and the way that they did things. I remember talking to different supervisors and they were like, your job is <clears throat> for some of these places is to make sure that your patient is taking their medication and they're not having any delusions and that they have resources. And I was like, that's it? Like, yeah. what about them getting better? Like, I just need to make sure they're taking their medication and that like they're not having any psychosis or delusions. And like, that's just, that's sad. I mean, yeah. and it's reframing that perspective of like, I am still helping somebody in this aspect because they do need it, but something just felt off. I didn't have that full, like, oh yeah, this is it. I'm helping people. And obviously that, that work is definitely needed, but mm -hmm. I guess I wanted more. Um, what kept you some... going during that time? <laughs> it was hard. I'd, I remember coming home and I'm just like, telling my spouse, like, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. Like, mm -hmm. Some of these sessions are really, really hard and people are having psychosis moments in the session. And I'd like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then, um, and it's scary. And it's just like, I don't think I can do this. Like day after day, I was waking up and I'm like, I can't, I just can't go <laughs> to the office today. I can't do it. And I remember thinking like, this is not what I, like, this is not my thing. And I see other therapists at this agency 
who are like chipper and they're there every day and they've been there for 20 years. And I'm like, how in the world, <laughs> like, are you doing this? I don't get it. Um, and I quickly realized like everyone has a different personality and just different emotions and skill sets with this. And like, and I just realized pretty quick, like that's not my thing. And so when OCD opportunities presented itself, it was just like a light bulb. Like, this is it. This is what I've yeah. been looking for like this the whole time. That must have felt so freeing to finally get there and feel like, wow, I'm really operating in my joy right now. Yeah. Which also I kind of think about for other people when they're picking their careers or they're getting in new relationships or whatever it is, it doesn't always have to feel like amazing all the time for it to be right. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a journey. Like, and, and I think that's the thing is like, people just have to keep going, keep going, keep going. And then things tend to fall into place as long as we don't give up in whatever it is we're pursuing. And I find a lot of people sometimes give up at the very beginning of something because it wasn't the right thing, but they never stuck around to figure out what the right thing was going to be with it. Mm, so true. And you following your inner conviction that you had when you started this journey of, I know that this is what I'm good at doing and I can help people with this. It seems like even though it's really difficult at the other agencies you are working in, returning to that initial conviction helped you stay in the field long enough to find the thing that really was a blessing to you and a gift to you. Yeah, I'm, and I'm definitely grateful that I didn't give up even though I wanted to. And obviously super grateful for um, my brother giving this opportunity to me and just because he's, yeah, he's an awesome guy and it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's so fun that you had this family connection that your brother's a part of your story and you getting to find a thing that really fulfilled you. Yeah, and and. It, it was a fun experience. A lot of people were like, well, how is it working with your brother? And I think for a lot of people in their life, they're like, oh, it's just so, so hard, so difficult, <laughs> but, but it wasn't. And in, in our aspect, like, yeah, there's definitely moments, but it was just cool to hear, you know, like we come from the same family, have the same genes and like, you are an amazing therapist, like super, super good, like super jealous of the way he could do things and thinking like, wait, we have the same genes. Like I could probably do that too. And I think that was a lot of confidence building as well. Yeah. What beautiful respect I can hear again, your voice and admiration for your brother. And I think that working with family, it really just depends on the family that the person has. It sounds like with your brother, it was actually something that maybe made you guys closer or have more respect for each other professionally too. Yeah, definitely. And I think the cool thing is, it's like, he's got a hundreds of employees now. Like when we, he first started, it was just him and I and one other person for this like OCD program. Now it's like hundreds of employees mm. and it's cool. Cause we, we all of a sudden, you know, we live in different States now, but we get to meet up every year at the OCD conference and stay in the same hotel room and like get to just hang out and do the thing that we love to do. Wow, what an amazing story. Um, thank you so much for being here 
today. And I just have one last question before we wrap up. And that would be, based on your experience and your journey to become a counselor, what would you say to someone who is considering entering this field? I, For anyone who's looking to possibly be a therapist, I think it's knowing that you don't have to be, like we said at the beginning, 100% sure that this is the thing you're supposed to be doing. I think we just choose a path and then we go for it. And, and it's being open to all possibilities. Because um, I find we're pretty disappointed when we have a really narrow mindset, like this is how things are going to be. And so it's opening the mind to, I want to get all the experiences so I can realize what I like, what I don't like. And it's such a rewarding field as well. There, you can hear a lot of negative experiences from you know, being a therapist and horror stories and all that, but like to not have that deter you from, you know, being who you want to be because those moments come and then they go. And the constant is that you're helping people and they're going to get better and some people won't and that's okay too and like that's just part of life but ultimately i know the more we serve other people the more we're going to be happy um and just feel joy and i think that's a big piece of it is whatever job or career that we have we we want to feel joy in what we're doing wow just thank you so much it was so i loved hearing your story and you just sound like you are such a gift to the people that you work with. And, you know, I'm thankful for the right information that you share online about OCD and anxiety. Um, Cause as I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, but it was, yeah, I loved hearing your story and just thank you so much for being vulnerable. And I know that this kind of interview is something you haven't done as often talking actually about yourself and the person of you and your journey. So I just feel really honored that you would choose to share that with me and, and on my podcast. That's a wrap on this episode of You Could Be a Therapist. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Until next time.